Welcome back to another fire episode of Hoop Ties. Make sure you go like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go watch on YouTube. Today's episode, we're talking to a Memphis Grizzlies beat writer, Drew Hill. Got a fire episode talking about the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant. But first and foremost, I want to talk about my pretenders and my contenders for the NBA playoff landscape. Now, it's a lot of teams in the Western Conference that feel like they're quote unquote contenders. It's a lot of teams that I feel like are really kind of there, but not fully there yet. A team that I want to talk about first is the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings had a phenomenal year. This a youth movement going on with the Sacramento Kings. Mike Brown has done an excellent job really building a culture and really allowing his young players to kind of like develop and also just learn from their mistakes. We know Darian Fox is, to me, is going to be on an all-NBA team this year. Sabonis has a case as well. Those two in the pick and roll have been very phenomenal. Awesome. Monk has played really, really great. They have Herder on that team as well. But to me, they're playing the Golden State Warriors. And I feel like as great as the Sacramento Kings had their regular season, I don't feel like this postseason is going to, they're going to have that type of success. And the reason why is because I just feel like they're too young. I feel like it's been a great story. Nobody expects the Sacramento Kings to go and be a top three seed. Nobody really expects the Sacramento Kings to really make it probably into the playoffs. Maybe the play-in was the ultimate goal for the Kings and for most people that cover the NBA, but they really have shocked people. And they kind of remind me of the Memphis Grizzlies from last year, a team that kind of came out of nowhere, finished as a top seed in the Western Conference, but then they got into the second round and we know what happened. And they struggled with the, the Minnesota Timberwolves in the first round. So I don't even think the Sacramento Kings are going to make it past the, their first round. So I'm going to say, unfortunately, they're a pretender. They're not a real title contender this year. Also, they're playing against the Golden State Warriors. I mean, a team that's been there, a team that's won multiple championships, a team that's getting Andrew Wiggins back. It's going to be really, really hard for them to go out and beat the Golden State Warriors, in my opinion, even though the Golden State Warriors have been struggling on the road this year. And people are going to say, well, the Sacramento Kings, all you got to do is, you know, protect their home court. That's easier said than done when we talk about in the postseason. Another team that I feel like is a pretender and this time is on the Easter Conference. I feel like, unfortunately, I feel like the Philadelphia Sixers are a pretender. And I know that may shock a lot of people, and it may not shock a lot of people, because history shows the Philadelphia Sixers, each and every year we say the same thing. They can get knocked out in the first round. They can go to the NBA Finals. I think this year could be a little different because Joe Embiid has kind of really extended his game and he's probably going to be the MVP. And then James Harden is averaging 20 and, and 10, a double-double on the season. Tyreek's Maxey is there. But what concerns me, I don't believe in their death. I don't know what version of James Harden we're going to get in the playoffs. I know people are talking about this passing version, play playmaking first version of James Harden, but I still feel like James Harden's going to have to not necessarily turn back the clock, but averaging 20 and 10, in the postseason, I don't believe that's going to get it done necessarily when we get to rounds two and possibly three or even in the NBA Finals. I know what Joel Embiid is going to do, but even Joel Embiid has had his moments in the playoffs where he hasn't looked like he has looked in the regular season. And also, Tobias Harris, a guy who tends to fly on the radar, but a guy that's getting paid max dollars to basically be inconsistent, sometimes get you 15 points and sometimes get you 10 to 8 points per game. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Philadelphia Sixers. I don't think they're going to be a title contender. I think that the Boston Celtics are still a better team. I think the 
the Milwaukee Bucks are still a better team. So I have to say that the Philadelphia Sixers is also on my pretender list as well. My contender list of a team that I feel like that can maybe a sleeper to some people, but with their name and their rec- brand recognition, um, we know having LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I don't think you really say they're, they're a sleeper team to go to the finals. But the Los Angeles Lakers, I feel like the West is wide open, and I feel like LeBron James smells blood. And I feel the Los Angeles team and the team they have together, they just beat the Minnesota Grizzlies, so they secured their, their spot in the playoffs. We're going to play the Memphis Grizzlies. I feel like, how can you doubt Anthony Davis and LeBron James? And I feel like the last time we saw a healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis healthy together was in 2020 when they won an NBA championship and they have pieces around them. This is not the same team that they got in the beginning, from the beginning of the year where they were 2-10. and 10. They got defenders. They got guys that can shoot the ball. And if they can get past the Memphis Grizzlies, and then possibly play the Golden State Warriors. If they get past the Golden State Warriors, I feel like whoever wins that matchup is going to have so much like adrenaline, going to have so much like confidence that they're going to be like, yo, we really can, can go all the way and we really can make a finals run. So that's how I feel for the Western Conference for my sleeper team, you know, it's quote unquote the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, for the Eastern Conference, a team that I feel like that's a sleeper that can probably be a disruptor in the Eastern Conference, I feel like the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think what Donovan Mitchell has done for this Cleveland Cavaliers team, he's a star player. Ever since his rookie year, he's came on with the Utah Jazz. He's went to the playoffs. He's made teams better. He went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's made them better. This is a guy that's done it in the playoffs, had big moments, had big games. Now he's paired with two defensive front court players and two defensive anchors where you know, he had Rudy Gobert in Utah. Now he has Evan Mobley and Jared Jackson and Jared Allen, I'm sorry. And he has Darius Garland. So it's just like he has players on his team that from an offensive and talent standpoint, he's never had with the Utah Jazz. And he was still in the tough Western Conference, helping them get to, you know, the first round, the second round um, in, a, in a tough Western Conference. Now I feel like he has a squad. He has a unit. If they can go out and beat the New York Knicks, and the New York Knicks are a tough, scrappy team, I feel like that they can give the second round opponent, which would be the Milwaukee Bucks probably, most likely, um, a run for their money. So they're a sleeper team I feel like can at least maybe not go to the finals, but maybe can knock off the Milwaukee Bucks and possibly, you know, be the Cinderella team in the Eastern Conference and go to at least the, the Eastern Conference finals. So as I'm looking at it, those are my two pretender teams and also my two sleeper teams to go in make it possibly to the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals. And coming on, we have a fire, fire interview. Hope you guys stay tuned. Drew Hill's coming on, talking about the Memphis Grizzlies in that first-round matchup and gets the Los Angeles Lakers. All right, we're back. We have Drew Hill, Memphis Grizzlies beat writer from the Daily Miffian. How you doing today, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's exciting, exciting. You guys know your first-round matchup in the Los Angeles Lakers. How are you feeling? Um, I feel good about it. Uh, I think that it's a matchup that obviously uh, is something that a lot of people wanted to see. You're going to have some serious star power. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, uh, John Morant, Jared Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain all on the court together. And obviously that's really exciting. And I think people here in Memphis are excited about the fact that for the first time really in this franchise's history, 
the circus is coming here. You know, the, mm-hmm. the biggest stage will be here in Memphis. Uh, and people are really pumped about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what are some realistic expectations do you have, regardless of them playing the Los Angeles Lakers? What are some realistic expectations you have for the Memphis Grizzlies this postseason? I mean, you guys are the second seed right now in the Western Conference, so in the playoffs. So what are some realistic expectations? Yeah, I think that they would like to get out of this first round and get to the second round. Um, We all know the back and forth that has taken place between the Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors over these last couple of seasons. So uh, to get that series again, I think would mean a lot for the city and for the Grizzlies. Uh, This is a team that has championship aspirations, but they're still probably pretty early on their contending timeline here based on, you know, Ja just signed a contract, Jaron signed a contract uh, two off seasons ago. Desmond Bain is likely going to get a new deal this summer. Um, So they're early in their uh, time together, this core unit, but um, they, they believe that they can contend this year. And so I think to at the very least have a chance to reach the Western conference finals, that that's, that's where this team wants to be. Yeah. I don't think people are going to look at it and being a little early because they are the second seed. So that's going to be very interesting to see what happens going forward, especially in this first round series. But who has to be the X factor in this first round matchup for the Memphis Grizzlies versus Los Angeles Lakers? I think it's Dylan Brooks um, because we all know that Jaron Jackson is going to be hugely important for the Grizzlies in this first series. Um, He has had foul troubles in the playoffs in the past, and that obviously is in play here when you're playing against LeBron and Anthony Davis. But it's Dylan Brooks who's going to be defending LeBron James. It's Dylan Brooks that they can use at the four spot to try to space the floor, to try to open up those driving lanes for John Morant and Desmond Bain. And Dylan has had a very up and down season offensively this year. Um, When he Mm -hmm. is making threes, it does so much for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have sort of tested this smaller lineup that they like to use uh, late in the season. They've, they've uh, they used it against the Bucks in the second to last game where they play Dylan at the four, they they pair him with Luke Kennard, Desmond Bain, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and suddenly you have shooting all over the place. Uh, but if the Lakers don't respect Dylan Brooks's shot, if they don't respect him from beyond the arc, I think that sort of changes the dynamic. So that's very important for the Grizzlies, and I think Dylan, is, for that reason, is probably the X factor. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you because if you look at it, when he's on and more consistent, the Memphis Grizzlies are a better team. But the problem is he's only shooting with 39% from the field. So him being an X factor and him being kind of like the the guy that probably has to be the one to hit open shots. Because they're, like you said, they're going to leave him open, I believe, as well. Um, but that being said, talk to me about Ja Morant and the type of series he has to have for the Memphis Grizzlies. Because I don't see anybody on a perimeter for the Los Angeles Lakers that can contain him. I think it's a John Morant and Desmond Bain equation for the Grizzlies because you would expect that the Lakers will probably try a Jared Vanderbilt. They'll try to put Dennis Schroeder on him. Uh, we'll see mm-hmm. how it how that plays out. Um, ja has played well against the Lakers in the past. He's a guy that plays well under the bright lights. It feels like every time he's at Crypto.com Arena or uh, what, what used to be Staples Center or he's in Madison Square Garden, he always shows up. Um, and so for that reason, I think, you know, there's a lot of really high expectations on Ja coming into this postseason. Um, and I think you're right. I don't know who on the Lakers is going to be the main guy. You you would think somebody longer and taller. That's what a lot of opponents have tried to do in the past. Uh, but if mm-hmm. you do that, 
you're leaving a mismatch for Desmond Bain, who's become a much better driver this season, and he's not just a three-point shooter anymore. Um, his leap this year has actually been really comparable to his leap last year when he was getting some of the most improved player hype. Obviously, that went to yeah. Jaw. Um, and I think I think that it's it's not just Jaw for the Grizzlies in the backcourt anymore. It's a variety. It used to be late in games, give the ball to Jaw, everybody get out of the way. And that's it. That's the game plan. Let the let the man go to work. It's not like that anymore. You know, it's yeah. it's a variety. Of, it's a it's a trio late in these games with with Jaron inside and Dez shooting from the outside and Ja going to the basket. So, it, it, but this does set up well for for this to be a big series for Ja. Yeah, definitely for Ja. But I, I love that you said Desmond Bain because like you you talked about it a little bit saying that he's improved this year. He's twenty one, four and five for the season. And he's shooting 47% for the film, 40% for the three-point line. And like, like you say, he, at first when he came into the league, he was just like this three-point specialist. The second year, sophomore year, kind of like a 3 and D guy starting to fill out his way on the offensive side on the floor. This year, now he's a threat to drive the basket and also to score not just on the three-point line, but at the second level of the basketball court as well. So I, I think Desmond Bain is going to have a big series. But Downhill the only problem is – Downhill Dez. Dez. That's his new moniker. That's what everybody's calling him in the locker room. He's downhill Dez now. He's not a three-point shooter anymore. And he's only going to get better. Um, He's one of those players where I feel like his overall stats actually matches his improvement. Because, you know, with analytics and stuff like that, and also, like, it's easy to score. So, you know, some of these guys averaging 20 and 25 points, but already actually improving. His stats matches the eye test, and that's what I like about Desmond Bain. Like you said, downhill Dez. He's also very strong. Him attacking the rim, um, putting pressure on the first level of the basketball court is going to be something he's going to have to do. The only problem I will say is I don't think the Memphis Grizzlies are a great half-court team. And I feel like the Los Angeles Lakers are a great half-court team. Also, I feel like the Lakers are a great half-court defense. So let's say if John Morant's ability to not attack the rim on fast-break transitions and things of that nature, let's say if you know the Los Angeles Lakers go zone. What do the Memphis Grizzlies do now, especially in the half court system? Because they're going to do that, the Lakers are going to do that matchup zone a lot um, this series because, you know, they're not going to let Ja just keep attacking, attacking, attacking. Yeah, the half court offense has been an ongoing thing for the last couple of seasons, um, honestly. And this team is built a little differently now than they were a season ago because they don't have Kyle Anderson, they don't have DeAnthony Melton. Those are guys that get deflections, force turnovers, help you get in transition. They haven't had the same level of success uh, in doing that this season, and they've had to play better in the half court. And it was a move that we thought was on the margins at the trade deadline when they picked up Luke Kennard, but it's actually turned out to be a really good move for the Grizzlies because he's played great off the bench, and he really helps their half court offense because when you pair him with Bain, you're not able to help off of those guys. Otherwise, you're giving up an open three. Um, And so – if you look at the Grizzlies half court numbers after the trade deadline, they've been better. Um, so that is encouraging, but this is definitely a half court advantage for the Lakers in this series. And if you're the Grizzlies, you know, you're trying to speed up a player like LeBron James who plays at his own pace, yeah. you know, his whole entire career doesn't bode well. Um, but you hope that the Grizzlies have enough shooting. And I think they do have a shooting advantage in this series. Uh, they're not a fantastic three point shooting team but they're well above 500 if they make at least 12. And that's pretty doable for a team that gets a lot up. 
Um, and so, you know, I, I think that that will be definitely key. They got to try to get in transition as much as they can. Definitely. They'll even try to do it after a made basket, but that's going to be really hard to do against this Lakers team for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's going to be definitely interesting. Uh, another question I have for you is what's the loss of Clark and Steven Adams is going to do in this series? Because they have Anthony Davis and they also have LeBron James. These are two guys that can play at the four and the five position and they can just really kind of beat up the posts. So what what is Memphis Grizzlies' game plan? What are they going to do? What do you think some things that they are going to have to do for this first-round matchup? Yeah, I think it's a huge loss, a, a major loss for the Grizzlies. It's a real gut punch not to have Adams out there because they are the best offensive rebounding team in the league when he's out there, yeah. and when he's not, they haven't been even a shell of that. So um, it's a major loss. In that first game against the Lakers – and. It's interesting that the, the three regular season games that these two teams that these teams played against each other, there was a star missing in all of them. Davis was missing in one, LeBron was missing mm-hmm. in one, Ja was missing in one. So it's really hard to to have any true takeaways. Um, but I think one of the takeaways of the first game was that the Grizzlies just beat him up on the glass, and that's not going to happen. Um, if, if the Grizzlies want to win this series. The, the most important player, he may not be the X factor, but he is the most important player is Jaron Jackson Jr. Because yeah. frankly, he's been their best player uh, in the mm-hmm. second half of this season. And they have to keep him out of foul trouble. And in order to do that, I think what they're going to do to try to neutralize Davis is put Tillman on Davis to start and try to let Xavier Tillman hold his own. And he's, he's done a very good job of it in the second half of the season um, against a superstar like Davis. And have him absorb some of those fouls, have him use his bigger frame in the post. Is it going to work? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Davis <laughs> is one of the very best players in the NBA for a reason. Yeah. But they have to try it. They they don't have a choice because otherwise you're probably going to end up with Jared Jackson in foul trouble in the first half of all of these games. And that's really bad news if you're the Grizzlies. So, um, yeah, I, that that is definitely uh, something to watch. The Grizzlies have not been a good rebounding team, period, since – Steven Adams went out of the lineup and they're going to be undersized at times against the Lakers. They're going to have to just battle on the glass. It's the offensive rebounding for the Grizzlies. Isn't it as important at this point, three months removed from Steven Adams going out of the lineup because they've already adjusted to to not getting those offensive rebounds, but it's not giving up offensive rebounds. That is really going to matter for the Grizzlies because uh, this is a team that thrives off of, taking more shots than their opponent, turning teams over, uh, just uh, extending possessions. And, uh, and, you know, if the Lakers are able to do that, we saw the Warriors do it in the series that they won last season. That really hurt the Grizzlies. So they got to find a way to be competitive on the glass, at least with, with LA. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Jaron Jackson. I feel like he's a, you know, he's this stretch four, but I feel like he has to rebound. Like he's going to have to average probably double digit rebounding numbers this series Portland have a chance on the glass. But talk to me about Jaron Jackson. Like, is he the defensive player of the year? It's hard to ignore for me, like, the three blocks. But I'm hearing people say, like, yeah, blocks. But other people are saying Evan Mobley. So who would you say, Jaron Jackson or Evan Mobley for the defensive player of the year? Here's the thing. I'm I'm going to vouch for my guy, Jaron, here. The argument that's being made for Evan Mobley on the uh, for the most part is like a minutes based argument but people mm-hmm. don't take into take context into account when they think about the defensive player of the year race jaron missed 
what, the first 14 games of the regular season with a foot injury. Okay, you miss games. I, I can understand wh- why that matters. But the minutes thing have not all, has not just entirely been fouls. The Grizzlies' philosophy is to not use their star players for as heavy of a minute minutes load as other teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, ja and Jaron average the most minutes on the Grizzlies. They're both yeah. outside of the top 60 players in minutes yeah. played per game. It's just yeah. the team's philosophy. So it is not Jaron's fault that he's not on the court as much as a guy like Evan Mobley. Um, he did miss 14 games to start the season, but he's played nearly every game since. I believe he only missed two games after that. Um, so he's out there, and he is statistically – the best defender in the NBA. It's not just the blocks, which he averages more than anyone else. It's the steals. I mean, he, his his stocks rate is through the roof. It's his defense at the rim. Statistically, you can't really make an argument for somebody being a better defender in the minutes that he is on the floor than Jaron Jackson Jr. this year. And if you take in into account the context of the minutes that he's played, I think it makes him a very clear defensive player of the year Um guy and i think he he deserves it the grizzlies have had one of the best defenses all season so have the Cavs. um but but mobley and jackson do very similar things like they're switchable bigs very versatile uh jaron can guard almost anybody i mean we we saw him lock down Kyrie late in a game uh this season so i just think that that's the guy if you're going to go on stats there's no other art you don't have a point um outside of minutes maybe for the other guys but minutes, minutes, to me, uh, the difference isn't really fair when you look at the way that those two teams use their their star defenders. Yeah, I'm not I'm not mad at that because, like you said, John Morant, he's averaging what 26, like six and eight, 47 percent from the field. He's only playing 31 minutes. <laughs> it's crazy. So the, the the minutes argument definitely you you have a valid point. The only thing I will say for a switchability. Jaron Jackson can guard on the perimeter when he gets switched out, but Evan Mobley does it, uh, I think, a little bit better. But it's hard to argue three blocks per game. Like, it's like, come on. Like, what's the goal in basketball? To put the ball in the hoop? To stop putting the ball in the hoop? And he's doing that exceptionally well. Um, Last question right now for the Memphis Grizzlies, and then we're going to get into, like, a truth-teller segment. Uh, I'll explain more about that later. But Kenneth Lofton Jr., he just signed a – was a four-year, seven million dollar deal. Yeah. Gener- this generation Z's version of Zach Randolph. That's how I look at it. He's a Zach Randolph disciple. What can he be in the future for the Memphis Grizzlies? Yeah, we call it the club. K-L-U-B, the Kenneth Lofton Union of Believers. That's what it's mm-hmm. called. Uh, <laughs> he he is he is so fun to watch. Unbelievably fun to watch. Uh play basketball. And it's really a three-year deal because the first year is like, you know, one game. Yeah. Um, at the end of the season, but he's just, he's just a joy because he plays the game in such a different way. He plays mm-hmm. at his own speed. He uses his body so well. Um, and you can see him being a meaningful NBA player. Uh, now there's a reason he spent a lot of the season in the G league and the Grizzlies will yeah. tell you this, their coaches will tell you this, uh, that they're not just keeping him down there so that he can pad his stats. Like they, they, Thought he had some serious work to do on the defensive end. They're obviously trying to keep him in uh, good shape. And so um, there was a reason he had to spend time down there. But I do think that they genuinely believe his future is very bright. He's obviously a very gifted offensive player. Uh, I'll never forget, I was at All-Star Weekend this year, and I was asking Scoot Henderson about Kenneth Lofton Jr. 
And he gave me a science lesson. He was like, hey, you know what inertia means? And I was like, nah, explain it to me. He said, well, inertia is in, in physics is when, you know, something with a large amount of mass is moving in a direction and it keeps moving in a direction. And he said, Kenneth Lofton Jr. is a man with inertia. When he gets that big body going to the basket, you can't yeah. get in front of him. Nothing's going to stop him from getting all the way to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a great way of putting it. And so, uh, yeah, shout out, Scoot. That was a, that was a great explanation for Kenny's game. <laughs> Yes, sir. Big, big body Vince Kenneth. Like I, I, I love it though. I hope he has success, especially with the leaves going. You can play small ball and stuff like that. Got to work on the defensive side on the floor. I think that's key. If he, if he can work on the defensive side of his game, I think that's going to allow him to get on the floor and get some minutes. But not mad at it. This next segment, Drew, is a truth teller segment. So I'm going to read a tweet, and you're going to tell me if she or he is a truth teller, and you can give me some analysis behind that. Okay, sounds good. Yep, sounds good. All right. Jay Gilly the Kid. Despite his suspension, John Moran has still played more games than LeBron, Booker, and Steph. Plus, his team is second in the West. This is an important thing to remember when we get to the All-NBA conversation. Who would be six guards that you would place or justify making the All-NBA team over John Moran? Is this guy a truth teller or not? Yes, he's a truth teller. I think John Moran should make an All-NBA team. Uh, I'll say this. If you wanted to take into account the fact that he missed games because of a suspension and not because of an injury, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. If you want to consider that, I'm all right with that. But there are not six guards who have performed better in the NBA this season um, than John Morant has. And there have been guys that are consistent. I think there are guys that will certainly be locks. And it is a very tight race. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I look at what Ja was able to accomplish, he's having a a season just as good as his, his year uh, ago. And he made an all NBA team. He's been better probably than last season. Mm -hmm. And he made the all NBA team. So it only makes sense for him to make the all NBA team this year. So I'll call that a a true teller. I definitely agree. hundred percent. I'll take it a step further. I don't think six guards. He, I think he's on the first team. He should be on the first team, all NBA. I mean, 61 games, 26, 6 and 8, 47% for the field. And he's electric. He's electrifying. I think he's a future MVP candidate and probably going to be a future MVP winner. He's already got the stamp for Allen Iverson um, last year with the jersey on the MVP with John Morant's jersey. So I, his future is special and he's phenomenal. I think the only player that you can really say deserves to be all NBA over him is. Donovan Mitchell, and I think he's going to be first team All NBA. I also think Ja Morant should be first team All NBA as well. So I think Shea yep. should get a look too. Shea just Alexander. He had an See, amazing season, and that team would be nowhere near where they are now without him. I, I'm yeah. giving him a look too. If I'm looking at the, first, team. the only the only the only problem I say with Shea, and I agree, I think Shea is going to um, make an All NBA team. The only problem I would say with Shea is just like his team's forty and forty two. Does he get a look over guys that Ja Morant? 61 games, second team in the West. I know it's an individual award, but Donovan Mitchell came to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They won 50 games in the postseason. Cavs was in the postseason last year. De'Aaron Fox, another guy with the Sacramento Kings. Like, that's the only issue I have. Game-wise, I totally agree. But I know that the Oklahoma City Thunder without SGA, what they would be, and that's a, that's a, a great point. But that being said, you can say the same thing for you know, Sacramento Kings say the same things for the Cleveland Cavaliers, also the Memphis Grizzlies. So, but next one, Kevin Durant on Dylan Brooks. This is from Kevin Durant's podcast. 
We've seen so many players in the history of the game that we all love for doing the same stuff. I can respect that he's bringing that energy to the game every time he plays. It's not just a front with him. Is Kevin Durant a truth teller or not? Talk about Dylan Brooks. I think that he's a truth teller again here. Um, Dylan Brooks is not liked, not well liked among other NBA teams and other NBA fan bases. Mm -hmm. And he invites it. Like he knows his nickname is Dylan the villain. He has said to me on multiple occasions that at this point he's embraced it. Um, But Dylan off the floor, if you just went and talked to him in the locker room when the cameras are off, is a genuinely nice guy. Um, you, you may not, you know, expect it based on what you see when he's out there, then breathing on people and, you know, taunting the bench and calling people out in the post game. And um, he is one of the most competitive guys, I think, on the planet, but he's actually a guy that does the work. So I think he deserves a little, uh, uh, the respect for the work that he puts in. Nobody studies film on this team like Dylan Brooks does. Um, nobody is as locked in during games as Dylan Brooks is for the Memphis Grizzlies. And so that warrants some respect. If you want to say he talks too loudly for a guy that hasn't won a championship or hasn't been a star player or whatever, okay, I, I can listen to that that uh, argument. But you yeah. have to respect that the guy is 100% intense and it's not fake at all. The guy's self-confidence you know, the cup is not just full. It's like a fire hose going into the cup. You know, it mm-hmm. just he has the most irrational at times, but uh, somewhat endearing level of self-confidence for uh, a basketball player. And how do you not want that? Yeah, I agree. Everybody's always talks about the NBA soft. Well, I love what Dylan Brooks is doing. Like he's bringing that. You want a villain? I'll be a villain. Nobody has a problem with, with Draymond doing it. Nobody has a problem with Patrick Beverly doing it. And that's part of those guys is what makes them who they are. That's part of the reason why those guys kind of get paid. So if Dylan Brooks is doing this, he's following that formula. I feel like there's nothing wrong with that. Even a guy way back in the day in the 2000s, Ron Artest, this was a guy who was extremely talented, you know, very similar to Dylan Brooks, had to kind of work on his game. And hopefully that's a player I feel like Dylan Brooks is trying to like reach out to or model his game after or try to just talk to him and figure out some, you know, whatever the things he needs to figure out because – that's a player where he had that same mentality as Draymond and Pat Beverly, but he worked on his game enough where he, you can really mention like Ron Artest is one of the most underrated players ever. So I'm not mad at it. Next one and final one, it says Scott's 019. I can see Memphis making the Western Conference Finals or being a first round exit and neither would surprise me. I still don't believe in anyone on the team except Ja. Jern's having a great year, but I saw him against Cat last year. He got to show me something against AD. Is this person a truth teller or not? This person's also a truth teller. Three for Um, three. (laughs) And and the reason that I would say that is I think he's spot on. If this team lost the first round series to the Lakers, I don't think many people would be surprised. The Grizzlies might be surprised. Uh, You know, I I don't, I know I wouldn't be surprised. The the playoffs comes down to dudes, right? If you got the dudes, you can win a series and the Grizzlies look like they have dudes and these guys look like they have a really promising future in the league, but they haven't accomplished what AD and LeBron have accomplished yet. Yeah. Um, so if they were to lose the, that first round series, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, do I think that they, they will? I mean, I think it's really tight, man. I would not be surprised mm-hmm. if this went seven games in the first round. Yeah. Um, 
And so I think that this person is is telling the truth. I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised either way. And Jaron, I think, you know, he he's right on Jaron too. Jaron did not have a good Timberwolves series last season. Um, yeah. He was in foul trouble in a lot of those games. He's been way better this year than he has ever been. Um, so it's time to prove it on the floor. And I'm not yeah. saying that from a negative way. I mean, I think he, I think he will, honestly, I think he's going to show people just how good he is in, in Memphis. Uh, I know most people aren't watching the Grizzlies on a nightly basis, but like the conversation has started. Will we ever talk about if Jaron Jackson is the best player on the Grizzlies? Like that's how good he's been in the second half of this season. Um, and so it's time to, to have that carry over to the playoffs and uh, that, and for him to be the the co-star next to John. Yeah. Like you said, the playoffs is all about dudes. They got one in Ja. We got to see if it's going to be Desmond Bain being a dude. We got to see if Jaron Jackson is going to be in a dude because Especially Jaron Jackson, he's has the task of guarding, arguing one of the most skilled <laughs> power forces games I've ever seen, and yeah. we know he gets in foul trouble a lot, so that's going to be interesting. Um, this last segment segment is called Drew. Say it with your chest. I'm going to say a word, and then you're going to just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. So Zach Randolph. Ooh. Rap. The guy has his own rap label, uh, <laughs> and I got the chance to interview him about his daughter. Not too okay. long ago, five star player, mm-hmm. and like the man is all about his entertainment, uh, his entertainment business, and his daughter both. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now Zebo's a legend. He's a legend here. Every every time he shows up at FedEx Forum, and I'm sure we'll see him in the playoffs. Uh, you know, even his his uh, jersey retirement, his number hanging up in inside of FedEx Forum. It's just the number fifty with a record label around it. So yeah, <laughs> I think a rat. That's crazy. I, I like it. Um, who would you rather build a team around? Marcus or Yao Ming? Ooh. I'll have to go with Mark. I'll go with Mark just because uh the and look, I was not around here in Memphis when Mark was playing. I was here at the tail end of his career. I was covering covering Penny Hardaway's Tigers, but I just know that uh from a locker room standpoint, there's not a better guy you can have in there than a Marcus Saul. And people were really happy to see him win the championship with the Raptors. Um, so because I know what kind of locker room guy Mark was, I'll go with Mark. Yeah. Yeah, I was cold, though. I mean, he didn't play a he lot. He was good. But yeah. <laughs> he was extremely good. Um, so, I mean, Marcus Saul, that's not bad, though. Marcus Saul, especially defensive side, worked on his offensive game in his career. That's not it was no That's one guy bad. on those teams. That's the thing. That's like, true. It's hard to yeah, point, it a pinpoint. Like culture. the core four Grizzlies was like, mm-hmm. it was Tony and it was Mike and it was those guys together. Yeah. There wasn't one guy that really stood out. I felt like, yeah, kind of, you know, he, 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 because of his popularity in Asia was like such a cultural mm-hmm. figure. Mark didn't, yeah. Mark really wasn't that same way. Definitely. Um, Pascal Siakam, last one. Um. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> uh, I guess Raptors. I don't know why. Like I, nothing, nothing <laughs> really comes out? to mind here. Uh, uh, I mean, he's great. There's, there was a point in time when people wondered if he'd be a fit on the Grizzlies. That's um, what I, that, and that's why I brought him up because I look at the situation, Drew. If they lose in the first round, I feel like he's a guy that's been rumored. Him and OG that's kind of been rumored to be yeah. available. It's kind of like I feel like that's what the Memphis Grizzlies are missing. Like they're missing that wing player that can really score, 
rebound, pass, defend, tall, that can that has experience of doing it at the highest level. You know, Pascal Siakam was the third option on a championship team. He dropped yeah. 31 points in the finals. So that's why I said that. Uh, I was going to say Brandon Ingram, but I don't think the Nora Pogans. How about, uh, how about a Chris Middleton? How about a Chris him Middleton? Too. I don't him know. If Free agent. If it'll, I know. And he's a guy that yeah. Taylor Jenkins that has played on, like with Taylor Jenkins as an assistant coach in the past. I don't know. It's just yeah. a name that, yeah. uh, that rings a bell. Especially um, because he's not going to probably demand the money that he was going to demand prior to his injury, too. So that, that mm -hmm. could be a fit as well. Yeah, uh, and last... I mean, the Grizzlies are going to go for it this offseason. Yeah. You would expect they try to do it at the trade deadline. I mean, Mikhail mm -hmm. Bridges would have been the perfect fit on this team. Perfect. just didn't work out. I mean, yeah. you, you offer four first-round picks for the guy. You, you think it's going to be enough to get it done. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they're going to go for it. I, I don't think that there's any doubt about that. And, you know, I think with – so, sort of the way that the new CBA is constructed as or what we know so far. Um, they're in position to sign their guys, man. Like I said, I think Desmond Bain's going to get a new deal this summer. You would, you would guess. Um, and they're going to be in a position to, to go hunt, you know, somebody on the wing that can help them get over the hump. So yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see, hopefully, you know, for the Memphis Grizzlies and all the fans that it would be a fruitful postseason. but you never know. Um, Three top three favorite Memphis Grizzlies players of all time. Okay, um, so this so I actually grew up a Bulls fan. I That's grew fine. up. Okay, uh, my dad's from Chicago. I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. My all time favorite player growing up was D Rose. Mm. Um, so top five or top three? Did you say top three or top five? Top three. Top three. Top three. Okay, Mike, not a better dude than Mike. So you got to put Mike Conley on the list. Um, and obviously he's going to have his, his number retired. Um, I have, to, I, I like, I want to avoid picking the current guys because I have a job and I don't want to, <laughs> no, you can pick job. I mean, I that's feel like it's, I feel like, I, I feel like playing favorites here may not be good for me. Um, yeah. but I mean, I love, I do love watching job play and just, it's, it makes my job such a joy when there's a mm -hmm. guy that is that exciting on the court at all times um and I, you know i'm gonna cheat here and i'm also gonna say desmond bain because i had the chance to go out to his hometown of richmond spend some time there this season before their game against the pacers there was not a nicer group of people des helped set that up uh you know went over ate pizza chilled with the fam and they were the night like seriously the nicest people to be around um so i was appreciative of that um, but if I'm going, I, I got to name one more here. I mean, how do you not go Zebo? How do you not go yeah, Zach? Fine. Um, he is the most colorful character in Grizzlies history. I mean, Tony, give him a run for his money. But mm -hmm. uh, but how do you not go Zebo? I loved watching Zebo, And uh, I also, you know, I think when I was a kid, I liked playing with Rudy Gobert, or Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gay in 2K quite a bit. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. definitely in 2K. He was a mod. Rudy <laughs> Gobert was one of those players where it's just like everybody played him in 2K. He was like, yo, it was like Rudy Gobert. It was like JR. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. Yeah, Rudy Gay. It was like yeah. JR Smith was another cold 2K player. Oh, yeah. Uh, Luol Dang. Luol Dang. Lu he was awesome in 2K. Gerald, Gerald Green. So <laughs> I, I'm not mad at the Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay was cold too. This guy yeah, was. He was. 18 to 20 point game average performer for years. Like he was super athletic, like very, very underrated. Um, 
Very special player. <laughs> Crazy. I, I haven't heard Rudy Gay, and we didn't mention Rudy Gay. That's 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 kind of insane. Um, but Drew, anything you want to say to Hootage? You want to plug in your social media? Anything? Floor yeah, yours. sure. Uh, I have a podcast too, Daily Memphis and Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Uh, it's it's hosted by me with another guy, uh, Chris Harrington, who's a columnist in Memphis. Nobody is a bigger basketball stats dude than Chris Harrington. So uh, we we record over there once or twice a week. So you can go check that out. You can follow me on Twitter at Drew Hill underscore DM. Other than that, man, this has been really fun. I don't get to do a lot of interviews like this. I love this. Yeah. This was so much fun. Uh, thank you, Ahmad, man. It's, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Drew. I really appreciate you coming on, man.